You're listening to the Arctic Circle podcast. In this episode, we learn about the success of the Icelandic chairmanship of the Arctic Council in 2019 to 2021 from His Excellency Guðlaugur Thor Thorðarsson, Icelandic Minister for Foreign Affairs, and Mr. Einar Gunnarsson, former chair of the Arctic Senior Officials. Following their speeches is a Q&A moderated by Her Excellency Mary Ann Conins, former EU ambassador at large for the Arctic. This event originally took place at the 2021 Arctic Circle Assembly in Reykjavik, Iceland. Former President Ola Ragnar Grimsson, Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen. Arctic affairs have been at the hearts of Iceland's foreign policy for well over a decade. When I became foreign minister in January 2017, my first public appearance was to address a large gathering of Icelandic Arctic stakeholders here in Harpa. That meeting officially kicked off Iceland preparation for our two-year chairmanship of the Arctic Council that we concluded at the Reykjavik Ministerial in this very hall on May 20th this year. Arctic affairs have steadily been gaining prominence internationally, as I have felt clearly during my five years as Minister for Foreign Affairs. At the beginning, it was I who put them on the agenda of my meetings with foreign colleagues, while now it is so that everyone is bringing up Arctic issues firsthand, regardless regardless of the setting and topics under discussion. And bearing testament to this increased interest, it has only happened twice that all foreign ministers of the Arctic states have attended the Arctic Council Minister meeting here in Reykjavik this spring and in Rovaniemi two years ago. The Rovaniemi ministerial meeting may to a certain degree have been overshadowed by the unfortunate fact that we were unable to agree on a ministerial declaration at that time due to differences on how to refer to climate change issues. That was, of course, highly unfortunate and made the start of the Icelandic chairmanship much more challenging. I think it's fair to say that we took over the chairmanship at the most difficult time in the council history. And in fact, I believed I said that at the time. However, our Finnish friends came up with a clever way to circumnavigate this obstacle and mandated the work of the Council through a short ministerial statement that all ministers could sign. This short statement was then coupled up with substantial chair statement that provided further guidance to the Council's work. So after all, we got off to a good start with our chairmanship program, together towards a sustainable Arctic. It reflects Iceland's commitment to the principle of sustainable development and refers to the necessity of close cooperation in the region and beyond. Our four priority areas were the Arctic marine environment, climate and green solutions, people and communities of the Arctic, 
and a stronger Arctic Council. But then came COVID. The Arctic Council cooperation relies heavily on close personal relations between senior Arctic officials. Permanent participants, working group representatives, staff of Arctic Council and working group secretariats and the observer representatives. <coughs> the Arctic Council way of working is to gather a couple of times each year and work intensively for about a week at a time. Most often in the Arctic community of the chairmanship country. So COVID could easily have been very disruptive for Arctic Council work, but the whole Arctic Council family showed great resilience and adapted quickly to virtual format for meetings and events. Grateful as I am for virtual solutions, I still believe personal relations are vital and I am convinced that it really makes a difference to meet face to face. In this context of the Arctic Council, this is particularly true for us, the ministers that only meet biannually. And despite all of the challenges, we were able to gather in person here in Harpa last May for a successful conclusion of the Icelandic chairmanship. All ministers were present in person along with three of the leaders of the permanent participants, while the other three had to avail themselves of the option to participate virtually. I am very pleased with the results of the Icelandic chairmanship, and we were able to conclude with an ambitious Reykjavik declaration that sends a clear message about our sheer commitment to ensure sustainable development and peaceful cooperation in the Arctic region. The major accomplishment, in my opinion, was the adoption of first ever strategic plan for the Arctic Council. The strategic plan provides the Council with a long-term guidance to its works covering the next 10 years. It gives the Council a stronger purpose, makes it less vulnerable to policy fluctuations and allows the Council to extend its vision and scope beyond the traditional two-year chairmanship term. The strategic plan reflects the shared values and joint aspirations of the Arctic states and indigenous permanent participants. I believe that its adoption was a worthy way to mark this year's 25th anniversary of the Arctic Council. So in conclusion, let me just say that with the Reykjavik Declaration and the new Arctic Council strategic plan, I believe that the Arctic Council is fit for purpose and in good hands under the able chairmanship of my colleague and a good friend, Sergei Lavrov. Thank you. Former President Ólafur Ragnar Grímsson, Excellencies, Ladies and Gentlemen. Serving as the chair of the senior Arctic officials during Iceland's chairmanship of the Arctic Council has been one of the highlights of my career in the Foreign Service and an opportunity which I like to thank my minister for entrusting me with.
the minister has already explained the extraordinary circumstances that we operated under, so I will just elaborate a little on some of the achievements. To me, sharing the, Arctic, uh, the senior Arctic officials may be likened to taking over as the director of a successful long-running musical. You will neither change the storyline nor replace all of the actors, but you can reorganize their position a bit, maybe add a couple of new ones, but most importantly, you get to control the stage lights. The storyline represents the mandate of the Arctic Council, the actors represent the Council's projects, and the state lights are a metaphor for the communications activities of the chairmanship. At any given time, the Arctic Council is running some 100 projects, focusing on collecting and analyzing knowledge and facts on sustainable development in the Arctic, with the aim of providing basis for policy making and shaping. So as you can imagine, it would be impossible to give any kind of a holistic overview of the success of the Icelandic chairmanship in such a short time. What I will do is simply name a few deliverables that I believe can serve as examples of the excellent work of the Arctic Council machinery during our chairmanship. First, let me mention that the Arctic Council developed a regional action plan to reduce marine litter, including microplastics, and that we hosted the first international symposium on plastics in the Arctic and sub-Arctic region, where leading experts and scientists came together virtually. The Council continued its work to advance knowledge of climate change in the Arctic, and a new publication, the Arctic Climate Change Update 2021, highlighted some key trends and impacts, as for example the fact that over the last 50 years the Arctic has warmed at three times the global average. And under Iceland's lead, the Council's expert group on black carbon and methane released its third report on progress and recommendations. It shows that the Arctic states are well on track to achieve their collective aspirational goal to reduce their collective black carbon emissions by 20% compared to the 2013 baseline. Iceland also led the gender equality in the Arctic project through its third phase, and we saw its milestone Pan-Arctic report adopted here in Harpa. In the early half of last year, the Arctic Council compiled a briefing document on the COVID-19 pandemic in the Arctic, drawing attention to some of the unique risks and challenges it poses for the region. And this was, of course, not a planned activity, but one that came about very quickly for the leadership of our great group of experts and scientists and knowledge holders that came to us and asked us for the uh, mandate to do this. All of this and then some we achieved despite having to transfer all our work onto virtual platforms. That transition was helped by the fact that the Arctic Council working groups had been using virtual solutions extensively in the past. But it was a new experience for us, the senior Arctic officials. The SAOs launched a new initiative, the SAO Marine Mechanism, bringing marine leaders and experts together with the senior Arctic officials to discuss ways to strengthen circumpolar marine stewardship. 
We increased meaningful engagement with our observers through the SMM in a dedicated observer event uh, on Arctic governance, as well as through, through a strengthened observer review process. And we introduced weekly informal coffee chats online between SAOs and permanent participants to make up for the loss of contacts on the margins of regular in-person meetings. We ran a successful online hiring process for a new director of the Arctic Council Secretariat. And last but not least, we managed to negotiate the Reykjavik Declaration and the new strategic plan online. All of this we were able to do with the support of the whole of the Arctic Council family, for which I remain deeply indebted. The Arctic cooperative spirit is probably the biggest asset of the Arctic Council. Thank you. Thank you, Minister uh, Thor Darsson. Thank you, Ambassador Aina Gunnarsson. Uh, allow me in the first place to congratulate you with a very successful uh, Icelandic chairmanship, which has been realized in particular difficult circumstances. Minister, you highlighted particularly major achievements, uh, a success of your chairmanship is the ministerial declaration plus also the strategic plan. And Eina, you mentioned the concrete achievements which were based on the four priorities of your chairmanship. And as you said at, at the end, a lot has been achieved and particularly because of the really unique uh, Arctic cooperation uh, spirit. So, um, before asking uh, the audience for, for questions, allow me uh, to start off a question to you, uh, Minister. Uh, what has been the major challenge of your Arctic chairmanship? I'm not speaking uh, so much about the COVID uh, challenge, which has been affected everybody, uh, but particularly, I would say, the major challenge also in the geo geopolitical field. Well, uh... When we, we were, uh, when I was uh, thinking about uh, sitting up on the states and uh, reflecting on uh, the memories uh, for that time, then of course comes up in mind that more or less everyone told us when we took over that this would be a difficult task. And uh, I said at the time, and I said it uh, in my in my speech, this was not probably it was the the, the most difficult time to take over. Uh, chairmanship of the Arctic Council. And the reason is that there was a, could say, tension in the air. And we saw that in Rowanemi. And people were just worried that this wouldn't be functional in the next two years. And I think that was probably the, probably the biggest challenge was that uh, to get things in a way it then turned out to be. But uh, to be all fairness, then all uh, of, of the Arctic Council, uh, both countries and definitely observers, they were very true to uh, the course. So uh, was it a challenge? Yes, definitely. But uh, it worked out not only because we were there, because everyone wanted to see things happen. But then, of course, we are also facing these big challenges, uh, climate change and, and uh, other issues that uh, we have, uh, and Einar did mention in, in more details. But I think uh, if we take one thing out, is that just at that time when we took over, then uh, it wasn't certain that it would work like, like it did. And then and it was an, uh, then an extra, could you say, uh, 
I don't know if the bonus is the right mm -hmm. word, but uh, having the strategic plan was something that we, we always wanted to do, but we didn't really allow us to dream, uh, definitely not at the, the beginning, that it, it would happen. But it did, and uh, it shows commitment from, uh, from uh, all stakeholders and shows, so we look at uh, not only optimism, just to look at the reality, that we have uh, stakeholders and countries who really engage in the course, and that is something that we should be very pleased and grateful for. But uh, there is a huge, huge task ahead of us. Thank you, Minister. But it worked out, and, and you are leaving a great legacy, uh, both of you. I will pass now the floor to the audience, and uh, please raise your hands for questions. Not all at the same time. I can't see anybody. Can somebody who asks a question stand up? Yes, at the back. You get a microphone. Thank you. Um, uh, my name is Sarah Cox. I'm with the SDWG of the Arctic Council and thoroughly enjoyed the chairmanship of, under Icelandic leadership, so congratulations. Um, there are a number of different challenges in the Arctic Council. One of them is that uh, we talk a lot about sort of motherhood statements. How do we involve youth, uh, gender equality? Very hard to execute, but uh, under the Icelandic chairmanship, the launch of an excellent gender equality project, a, a report, and I think that's precedent setting, frankly. The question now is how, one of the goals is to a sort of mainline gender equality throughout the Arctic Council, and the, the report came out under the Sustainable Development uh, Working Group. How do you do that? And can you use Icelandic uh, success in gender equality to continue to influence uh, the Arctic Council in this respect? Thanks. Excellent. Minister, gender equality, also stressed by your Prime Minister yesterday. You have the floor. Yes, thank you. Uh, what we try to do when it comes to gender equality, all the things that we prioritize on, and uh, is that we are, well, I mean, some things we have done right, Icelanders, and I think when it comes to gender equality, it's obviously one of them. And uh, we try to lead by an example. We try to uh, tell our story. Uh, to be honest, I think it says it all, that you have no politician in Iceland, you have no political party in Iceland who wants to go back. Everyone agrees that what we have done when it comes to gender equality has been a success and it's good for everyone, both men and women. And that is something that we are just trying to uh, share with others. Uh, but uh, you mentioned also the youth, uh, and I think that when we are talking about the Arctic, uh, the best thing we can do is the, 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 the more you, young people meet each other in the Arctic countries, get to know each other, uh, understand each other, that is the best way forward. If we're going to take something out that we, we should emphasize on, then it's on youth. And uh, I find it remarkable, I found it remarkable to see how the working groups are working across border, across languages, uh, uh, in, in this huge area. It is, uh, I, I think that's the basis of the success we are seeing. And we should do more, especially with the young people. Thank you, Minister. I have a question here in the front. Thank you for this. Uh, my name is Gisle Haldorsson. I'm a mayor of the municipality of Arborg. Related to this discussion, um, 
I think there is a great possibility for uh, a lot of uh, growth, sustainable growth, if we find ways to uh, to increase inclusiveness. So, so that uh, we are not just trying to funnel, you know, money from big companies and big stakeholders, but try to involve the others to give. Uh, them a free space for uh, their creativity and potential. So, inclusion is that uh, a discussion in the in the strategy strategy making of uh, the council? Minister, inclusiveness. Yes. Well, uh, thank you. You mentioned it's not enough to uh, only take the big uh, companies and, and the big stakeholders. Well, I think that it's fair to say when it comes to Iceland, our view is always small is really important for obvious reasons. But in all seriousness, then one of the things that help us when working in the Arctic is that uh, we, more or less all of us, are uh, in Iceland, I could say all of us, and from small uh, municipalities. We come from uh, small communities. Well, Arctic is like that. And if we are going to achieve something, if we're going to... Uh, get the results we want to do, then everyone needs to be there. And especially these small communities. So uh, there again, we think that we have uh, some uh, experience to share, but definitely at the same time, a lot to learn from the others who live in, in the Arctic. So the question, uh, the answer to the question is definitely yes. And I think it cannot be overstated the importance of getting everyone involved, especially the uh, small communities, uh, the uh, small companies, and, and uh, so on. Small is beautiful. Inclusiveness plays a role, uh, definitely. Equally, I would say, in the architecture of the Arctic Council, where the inclusiveness, and particularly with an increase of interest for non-Arctic states and many observers, that uh, inclusiveness is also there in the architecture of the Arctic Council is, is important. I think I will have to close the discussion. Just maybe a last question to, to Eina, which is the recommendation you would give to your successor, to the Russian chairmanship? Well, uh, thank you, uh, thank you, uh, uh, Ambassador Connings. And uh, uh, I think I could uh, relate that back to the question from Sarah Cox, you know, how can we work with this? And we believe very strongly that the strategic plan can actually be a tool for the inner workings of the Arctic Council. We hope to see that the working groups, the machinery of the Arctic Council I was referring to, will make use of the plan, like I say, bottom up. And in that respect, I could also relate that to, question, to the question from, from, from Gisli. Uh, yes, one of the goals, uh, goal number four, in fact, is focusing on sustainable social development. It is actually one of the goals that has more uh, strategic actions uh, linked up to it, and it is exactly focusing on these elements. And we hope to see the machinery of the Council make use of this when they are preparing their work plans going forward, to strengthen the council and strengthen the direction of the council. So that is exactly, uh, we could see that. And, and if that happens, uh, I would be very happy for my successors of having made good use of what we believe is very important step in the history of the council. Thank you. Thank you very much.